0: from the campus of Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington. You're listening to the G Suite Podcast, where we discuss all things Zag business.
1: A senior at Gonzaga graduating this May, Mateo Valdez is the founder of the Gonzaga Sport Consulting Group, an idea that began in his dorm room freshman year and now provides services to professional sports teams across the country. He shares his perspectives on Gen Z and the advantages of being a student at GU. Hey, Dr. Brasich. Uh
0: Mateo, what's happening, man? Welcome to the G Suite. Glad you're hey, here. thank you. Honor to be here. Yeah, buddy. Um, so, you, so you've been you've been busy. You're you're uh, I, I would describe as an ambitious guy, and I mean, I know a couple things. You you won a couple awards in the Entrepreneurs. What's 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 your actual declared major?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm a I'm a business major, and um, I'm minoring through the Hogan program. So. Okay. Uh, so just a whole lot of business uh, I really chose to be totally honest with you I chose business going into like as I was filling out my application because you had to like kind of declare a major there maybe not officially but I chose business because I had no idea what I wanted to do like yeah I've been busy like more recently in college but I that was totally unforeseen uh, like in high school that was like not a goal it just kind of worked out beautifully I you know started uh, my freshman year during COVID really had nothing to do with my time it was just an overwhelming amount of nothingness where i just kind of like watched a lot of like netflix movies and then one of them uh was actually the social network and uh although in hindsight you know you look at that as a basis for entrepreneurship and you're like wait this is totally like a hollywood version not really what it's like at all that's what actually despite that that's what actually hooked me into entrepreneurship and luckily that was right before the hogan program application was so that made me apply to hogan and then get involved in that community kind of asap and uh, then from there, yeah, I mean, the the rest is history, I guess. But that's kind of how I got into business, uh, you know, kind of coincidental to begin with. But then I ended up absolutely loving it. So, yeah.
0: That's awesome. So you're a Hogan guy, meaning you're taking 21 credits a, a semester, getting a lot done. You, you you got a lot of energy. I see you in the halls of Jepsen, uh and, and good energy for sure.
1: Yeah, I love that Jepsen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you've done, now you've won a couple of competitions. I remember something with a Vista. Or um, yeah. maybe you got like second or runner-up or something like that. I think you got some. Ca- I think you got some cash money for that. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's that's reportable on your taxes. Tell me about that. You're so you're doing entrepreneurial stuff, engaging in competitions. Uh, for some reason, I thought there was another one as well.
1: Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. So um, two different competitions. One of them was the yeah the Avista Entrepreneurship Competition. It was formerly known as the Northwest Competition, and it was hosted uh, by. Uh, community, I think Spokane Falls community, one of the community colleges in the area. But then as of last year, they changed it to Eastern Washington University, and then Avista sponsored it. So hence the new name. Uh, but I actually didn't, uh, that has nothing to do with GSEG. It was kind of just a one-off idea I had about doing a newsletter that sent out internship opportunities for university students, because I've kind of become a nerd about this whole, you know, career development, internship stuff. And like, I just love helping people with it. And also I love building things. And in certain instances, like intern fleet, which is what the company was called and GSCG, I like combining those two things, my love for building and my love for helping others with their careers. Um, I kind of worked on it honestly for not too long because it got to a point where I was extremely busy, but I was already signed up for the competition. So I was like, okay, I might as well, you know, follow through with it. And um, it was like three rounds each round. You won a bigger prize one before. And then the final round, um, yeah, got third place and a pretty good cash prize. It was basically just like a pitch style, like 10 to 15 minutes. Went up against a bunch of people. And I was actually the only person not from Eastern Washington. So these yeah. were people I was going up against that are being mentored by the same people running the competition because it's all it's all like in-house for them. And also some of them like were like already like fully established businesses that have been in operations for like a few years. So it was a little bit kind of like nerve wracking, but I was like, I don't know, it makes it all the more exciting, I guess. But Fortunately, Intern Fleet is a relic of a, of of the past, uh, not really working on it as of now, uh, full-time GSCG. I'm actually in two classes right now, um, because the funny thing is I used to be an accounting student, and yeah. I wanted to do everything, get my CPA and everything in four years. Luckily, I had some credits from high school, but then being a Hogan student, for uh, those of you who don't know, uh, the, the credit cap goes from 18 to 21, so I had the opportunity to take a seventh class every semester. So I was like stacking up on those to try to get the 150 CPA credit. And then as I actually started taking accounting, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm not built for this. I'm not built different. Like you, Dr. Brassage. I was like, this is not for me. Um, I'm going to change my concentration. And uh, next thing you know, any other concentration has just less, quantity of credit requirements. So now I can pull off just taking two classes and being good oh, at graduating. Yeah. Awesome. I'm a part-time that's awesome. student, full-time G S C G. That's, that's the, that's, the yeah, more. that's awesome. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. You know, it's, it's accounting time for everyone. And yeah. hey, hey, look at this way. You're creating things where in accounting, you're kind of following what other people have already done on some level. So that's, that's super cool. And, I, and I'm envisioning that competition, like, sh- like a shark tank kind of scenario, right. Yeah. Where you, where you go and you kind of, yeah, I think that's been around for a while. In fact, I I had a classmate that won it. Uh, but she did. It was like a a wedding planning. She took the money and started a business, and I think she still runs. it. I think she's a big deal in Portland. Oh no way! Yeah, that's yeah. Amazing. We've left that we'll the pod called? sometime.
1: <laughs> yeah, you for should. Sure.
0: Yeah, but well, that's that's awesome. And so, so you said, but business. It, what's your concentration that you're you're picking up in business?
1: Uh, I'm in entrepreneurship. So, so I'm actually, I'm actually okay. majoring and minoring in entrepreneurship, which okay. uh, hasn't been done here before. And the funny thing is like, it won't really be allowed anymore uh, because of like how unusual it is, I guess, <laughs> no better word for it. But um, I just, you know, I just really love entrepreneurship. So I thought I'd double down on it, in my academics and either way, I'll still, you know, have a business degree, which, yeah. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. And then you did. Now you've done a couple internships. Did you go to did did PwC? Did you do consulting at PwC? I
1: did. Yeah. So I did uh, PwC Start Diversity Program, which they have for both accounting and consulting. But given wow. I wasn't an accountant anymore and I started uh, kind of stumbling upon the world of consulting through starting GSCG at this point in time, which we can talk more about later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's where I was exposed to consulting. And then I chose the consulting track of PwC Start. So I ended up doing that internship. Um, I'm a senior now. So a few summers ago between my sophomore and junior year. Uh, okay. And uh, this last summer I did a sales internship at Microsoft, which is where awesome. I'll be working full-time after I graduate. So oh, perfect. Oh, good. Congrats, man. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I'm excited.
0: That's awesome. Well, let's, let's talk about the consulting group and, and take me, take me from its conception, your passion and kind of how things unfolded.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, um, like i said it i guess it really started when i got into college and COVID at the time you know what that meant for gonzaga being a freshman during that year was well first i graduated high school during COVID, so then i had that whole summer of like kind of just just staring blankly at walls not really doing much really just playing way too much xbox um that kind of stuff but and then that kind of continued when i went into uh gonzaga because although you know gonzaga did like, relative to, like, the world, really, Gonzaga did a really good job handling it, which I'm super appreciative of. The fact that we got to go to, to college, to, like, to campus to begin with and actually stay at dorms was, like, a blessing in and of itself. So, I was able to do that. I lived in CM. Because CM was, you know, is typically a more social dorm, uh, it was, like, extra strict. So, you couldn't really, like, see, you couldn't really be in, like, rooms with more than three people at a time. So it was like pretty risky to begin with. So I was just like, you know what, like, I don't want to be kicked out of housing. So I'm just going to play it safe. And I'm just going to like, like basically just chill by myself the whole semester, uh, which is kind of what I did. Um, I, you know, gamed, kept gaming a lot with my high school friends, stayed in touch with them that way. Um, But I also just kind of had like, an ex, like a lot of existential crises. And I feel like that's very natural for someone like, I don't know, like in college, but I feel like it was really like 10 X because it was during COVID. So I was just like, I had so much free time on my hands. So I just had so much time to just think about whatever. And then I was like, oh man, like what am I gonna do with my life? Like I mentioned, I didn't really have an insane career drive going into college, but then it's almost like I found that to like focus on because I had so much leftover time and energy. And um, like I said, I saw the social network that brought me into entrepreneurship. And I actually uh, was trying to build my first startup idea my freshman year, which wasn't GSCG. Long story short, not worth getting too into, it was an idea of connecting uh, high schoolers um, who are college prospects, so like seniors, juniors, what have you, with uh, college students uh, who are in colleges they're interested in applying to, to basically get them like a fresh, like real perspective on what the college is actually like. Uh, so it was like, cool idea. It stemmed from like my younger sister who was looking for colleges at the time that I was starting college and noticing that she like wanted to actually like learn what col- what different colleges were like. And you know, tested out the idea with her with a few dozen other people. It was a really, really great experience. But, you know, the social network idea high kind of ran out. And then I was like, you know what, it's not actually like Hollywood at all. Like, this is really hard. So I do want to revisit like a for profit startup idea in the future, definitely after I graduate at some point, who knows when, but at some point. But meanwhile, though, for the rest of college, how about I try to start something that simulates a company as much as possible, yeah. while not necessarily being a real company. So that's when the framework of the framework of the framework started. And I'm like, okay, here's like, that's the philosophy I have in mind. Right. Uh, next up, what industry should this actually cover? And then I thought about, okay, what's a big, you know, what's part of Gonzaga's brand? And, you know, what's the reason, like, you know, we've been spreading so much to like amongst like, you know, socially like athletic scene. And then I thought about, you know, basketball and more broadly, like our sports brand, um, and then I'm not so the, the funny thing is like you know, GSCG, I just might as well mention what it is for, for anyone who doesn't know. You know, we do now we do semester long projects between uh students uh and uh clients in the sport industry. So we've done marketing, you know, social media partnership, ticketing, data analytic projects with the NBA, MLB, NHL, MLS, whatever. So it's very sportsy, but I'm actually not a sports fan myself, like at all. That's like the biggest point yeah. of irony. I just I really just saw the opportunity knowing that so many people were coming to Gonzaga to enjoy the sports community. And my assumption from there is like, okay, therefore people are going to want to work in sports after graduating too. And then I just saw like, okay, there there's an opportunity here to create something professional in sports. And then that's where my expert, not expertise, because I kind of still lacked experience, but that's where my passion for business came in. And then we combined two things beautifully into like the sport consulting group where, you know, you have students learning, very vital professional development skills and consulting skills business skills what have you through a mechanism that they really enjoy which is sports so it's almost like we're kind of like tricking students like they are learning so much of this experience like i said we have freshmen who are now like juniors who like start with us and they have grown so freaking much and it's really because we managed to like combine passion with productivity in, in a really cool way and we've just kind of accelerated growth and a just i don't know it's just like it, it makes me so happy to see over time but um, anyways, but the way back, back to sophomore year though. Uh, so like I said, I, I combined the, I knew I wanted to do something that combined sports and business. And, uh, my idea was just not the actual experiential learning, like consulting projects. It was actually just bringing in guest speakers from the sport industry. Simple as that. And then I talked to GSBA about it and they were like, oh, there's actually already a sport management club that does that. So I was so long story short, I was like, oh, okay, crap. I have to kind of like differentiate, you know? um so i i can't just like we can't just do the same thing that's kind of inefficient so then uh so then given at this time i was actually a new venture lab which is a small business consulting organization so that introduced me into the concept of student ran consulting and i was a project manager for them so i led my own team of six working with a lebanese restaurant in the area helping them with social media marketing and it was a really cool experience and i realized like wait what if we did something like new venture lab but we did it in the sports domain and uh, that's kind of how GSEG was born. By then, this was my first semester of my sophomore year, so fall of 2021. And uh, that's when I've kind of like started by um, validating the idea. And something important to note, it's like, I could have just gone to students first, like fellow Zags and, and classmates and be like, hey, like, let's just all like uh, join this cool thing I'm doing. We're gonna do project with sports teams, whatever. And then the person would have gotten so excited, then they would have told their friends and they would have gotten excited. A lot of excitement, which is great, but it wouldn't really lead into anything. So I was very intentional about the order of steps that I had. So before even bothering telling a single student about my idea, I proceeded to send a cold email to every like top tier team uh, across any sport in the West Coast, basically. So I sent over like 200 cold emails asking like, hey, like, like here's it was kind of like a it was half theoretical, like the format of the email. I mean, it was like half hypothetical, but half like kind of as we already, as if we already existed. So it was kind of like walking a fine line, but it was like, hey, we have this idea, we wanna do business projects, really anything that you could use like a Gen Z perspective on, like are you interested in calling? So I know over 200 of those had four different calls and then two of those actually became projects at the end, which are the Portland Trailblazers and the Seattle Sounders. So we got some big brands to begin with. So now we, now that we had those, we solved the chicken and egg problem and then on our whiteboards, instead of just saying like, hey, join Gonzaga Sport Consulting Group, we could say, want to work with the Portland Trailblazers and Seattle Sounders? Apply here. That's what we put on the classroom whiteboards by then. More effective pitch. From then, we kind of just just blew up a little bit, honestly. And uh, and so we started with two projects that semester, starting uh, the next semester, I mean, so spring of um, 2022 at this point. And, uh, you know, same as New Venture Lab, there's a project manager in each five consultants or reporting to that project manager. And then I was kind of just overseeing both projects. So super low key. Uh, we had great projects. Uh, we worked again with the Sounders the following semester. Then we expanded to three projects. Most of our members that first semester graduated. Uh, so we did a lot of new recruitment. I was actually in Florence now this next semester, which is the fall of 20, uh, the fall of 22. So during our biggest growth point, which is arguably that semester, I was actually like across the Atlantic. So that was very interesting. But by then, we had um, two VPs who were like here, you know, boots on the ground, actually making sure everything was okay. But then we expanded to three projects by then. But uh, and then we worked with the LA Clippers and um, who else? And the San Diego Padres. And then the Yeah. Semester- yeah. yeah my good.
0: team. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: No, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get some California to represent too. And then I came back from Florence, and then we expanded to four projects. uh, And then the semester after that, which is this last semester, my senior year, we had five projects, and now we're sitting at six projects. So uh, just one project every semester, and uh, we got a bunch of exciting stuff going on that we can get into. But I know that was an extremely long answer to your question. So
0: no, no, that was great. (laughs) So can you can you give me an idea of what a project would be for the Sounders or the Pods or
1: whatever? Great question. So. I'll talk about another project that we did with the San Francisco Giants. So they were going to um, basically last year, they were thinking about we work with their senior vice president of ticketing, who actually was one of the innovators in MLB who invented like the flex ticket package. So like working with them was an honor. His name is uh, Stanley Russ. He's like, you know, if you Google him, he's just all over the place. Uh, so really cool guy to work on this uh, with. And uh, he wanted to get a Gen Z perspective on all their flex package ideas. And by flex package, I mean like by the season pass and you have an X number of games you can go to um, throughout the whole season, basically. So it makes it flexible for college students who aren't, say they're from the Bay Area, they're not in the Bay like all year, you know, it's like really catering to their very volatile schedule. Um, So the project with them was basically auditing their current packages and then suggesting stuff that you know, based off that recommendations on how they can make the packages even more appealing to Gen Z. So that's kind of like a ticketing-related project. Uh, We've also worked with Minnesota United FC and MLS team last semester on like literally just giving them a bunch of content ideas that would do well um, from Reels, TikTok, new emerging platforms they should look into that are popular amongst our generation. So, and then uh, also we did a, well, our very first project, the Portland Trailblazers was a whole nother route. It was actually evaluating all of their it platforms that they use by doing internal interviews with their whole front office across different departments and then seeing like what software as a service platforms worked for the team where they had businesses that they didn't have a license like they, that they didn't have a platform that was being fulfilled whether it was like hr customer data um sales outreach uh, ticketing information whatever uh, so we just did this whole kind of like IT audit of their backend and see like where, where they have business needs that aren't being met. So, as you can tell, there's a big variety of projects we do, but I'd say the point of most overlap is providing a Gen Z perspective onto these teams because they, we have a very unique generation. You know, it's only getting more unique the younger you go to with like the ways that you have to appeal to us. They're very contrarian, especially to people that have lived through the more traditional industry in the past and they're more seasoned in the industry now. They they have to come up with new marketing strategies and they and the, frankly they're completely a lot of times they're completely lost with how to market to our generation. So that's that's when we come in and we basically try to kind of revamp their operations to um make sure it appeals to us as best as possible. So
0: wow. So so <laughs> digging a little that 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 was awesome. Um let's let's go back to the flex ticket. Now this now this poked me because I had flex tickets with the Spokane Indians this summer. Yeah. Uh so when you when you say you audit i mean what do you, i'm i'm assuming you're looking at how often people are changing how they're changing or combining it is, is what are you specifically doing and how I mean, these are, these are. there's quite, well, answer that first. Like, what are you doing right. in that specific area?
1: Yeah, really? I mean, really whatever the, the team thinks is best. I mean, keeping in mind that, you know, I, I wasn't actually, like I talk about these projects as if I had something to do with them, but you. I'm just taking other people's credit. But I do remember that for this project, it was a mix of uh, actually like cold calling uh, teams across the MLB and seeing what the rest of the industry was doing and then comparing that to the Giants and how they can kind oh, of wow. improve from there. Looking at teams' websites, uh, looking at maybe other sports too, like just doing a whole like very market researchy, you know, kind of seeing what's happening, the whole landscape, the whole industry, and then what the Giants can learn from there. Basically, that's like kind of the basis, and then from there, coming up with some some ideas that are very, you know, researched back through those, and then also some ideas that are kind of like moonshot, but like you know, our students come up with. Uh, that's still based on the research though, but still kind of moonshotty. But the point is like they they really, our clients do really value these like crazy ideas we have. Like, it's kind of like what their incentive to work with us is like one of the big pieces other than like the philanthropic piece, I guess. But like, they really do want to see like, okay, like what, like, what are they thinking about this? Like, what's their feedback? Like they want to pick our brains on our whole operation. So like, sometimes like uh, we had a consultant who was like, I think they should do this. And then in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, it's not very like, research back like I have to stay silent because I have to delegate not you know not micromanage right but I'm kind of just like oh like this is kind of crazy I don't know if they'll like this and then but I'm like oh, I have to trust I have to, I, I trust this person and then they talk about it in their final presentation to the client and next thing you know the client's like this idea is amazing we have to look into this like stuff like that so it's uh, so it's, it's really cool to see how how wrong I am sometimes and like how much I've learned through this experience. Yeah. I get it. yeah I and get how much it. they yeah. just genuinely value just hearing us out loud, even if we think it's wow. less than it is. So,
0: yeah. And have, have any of the, the members as a segue into internships or jobs yeah. with anybody or?
1: Yeah, actually, yeah, definitely through a lot of different means. So, um, I'll start with the biggest one broadly. I mean, just having GSCG on people's resume just has helped them so much. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was, you know, we, we were developing basically a center. We can get into that later, but um, part of the stuff I had to do recently is actually um, get a bunch of testimonials and we, from our like current and past members. And they've talked about how like GSCG is a huge talking point during their interviews because they've never thought they could work with like these, you know, million billion dollar brands like as right. like a freshman in college a lot of these to like do a project with them network with them get like a te- um what, what word am i looking for like a letter of rec from them we've had our portland portland timbers client give letters of rec to our whole team we've had our seattle kraken client give linkedin uh testimonials to our whole team too uh, including me too and um just some, that the more subtle stuff like that uh, indirectly leads to jobs uh is the key is the key thing because Every, you know, most most people in the group are massive sports fans and a big chunk of them do want to work in sports. But we also have a lot of members, myself included, that don't want to work in sports. And we cover other industries and we have alumni who now work at these industries like investment banking, consulting, tech, like corporate finance. Like we have, um we kind of just have everything really. And regardless, like having these brands, these notable brands on their resume at such an early time. Uh, just really, they've mentioned that really helps them get those jobs. But then we've had also more direct connections. Like now we have an alumni that works with the Utah Jazz. We have an alumni, alumni that works with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the Utah Jazz one uh, talked to our Portland Trailblazers client because that was his client to like help him like set himself up with the Utah Jazz because the sport industry is a very like tight one. Everyone kind of knows everyone, especially if we're talking about the same league. So there's a lot of like tested referrals kind of going on. So, wow. wow. Yeah, it's cool stuff.
0: More importantly, did you guys get any Kraken tickets? Because those are like next to impossible. Yeah, so funny thing about (laughs) that.
1: Yes, we've been offered. We have been offered multiple times by our Kraken client because he was kind of one of the kind of not founding people, but he was like, I mean, the Kraken's still a relatively new team. He was one of like their first employees, basically. Um, Also senior vice president there. So he has, he's basically in charge of the whole, like the client that we work with there, which is super fun fact, is in charge of the whole fan experience you see there. Like, that the Seattle Kraken is being nationally recognized for, you know, like their use of like technology to like make the game so engaging, even for non-hockey fans. That is literally his job. He's the SVP of digital innovation. So it was like tailored uh, to him. But, yeah. He's offered us tickets. Um, but the funny thing or uh, pretty unfunny thing about NHL is that it's during our semesters. So there's like yeah. barely any overlap
0: um that's, that's, that's an excused absence my friend it's yeah that's yeah it's, sure. it's that's a rain
1: check right there you know <laughs> it will be an issue after i graduate so you'll yeah. i expect myself to be there yeah uh, and I, well
0: and i would i think you should expand into premier league soccer or you know the Italian i've sent cold New emails State.
1: to man city believe it or not oh, yeah well no response
0: place. you're going to the wrong place so, oh really so, oh so, yeah. shoot <laughs> maybe, maybe we should
1: just talk about something else then yeah <laughs>
0: you you mentioned the the gen z perspective and and I that full disclosure I'm usually hesitant to to kind of slap labels on an entire generation although it's certainly yes. kind of become a habit of, Me of too. Folks here today um but what what is what is unique about that perspective from your view
1: yeah and I mean first of all that's an amazing point and that's something I've been thinking about too it's like I feel like younger generations normally are like kind of Generalized without even meaning to. And I'm like guilty of that too, even though it's like my own generation. But despite that, from a very like industry, macro, marketing senses, like the points about Gen Z that are significant are just how we consume information. I'd say that's first and foremost it. And uh, more specifically, uh, everything needs to be more engaging, everything needs to be shorter, everything needs to get to the point. Like, it is literally hard for our generation, you know, macroeconomically speaking, to sit through an entire baseball game or an entire basketball game, entire football game. Like, we need that constant stimulation. And that is really because how we've been raised. We've been raised through social medias, you know, especially more recently, like TikTok that just really, like, maximizes dopamine to a very unhealthy level. Like, I've never had TikTok. And, you know, I've kind of prided myself in that because short form video content, I think, is like not really healthy for anyone's psychology, especially if you're a kid who's still like, you know, whose brain is still developing. But despite that, really, that intentionality now Instagram and YouTube, which are platforms that I do love, they have their own short form content. So like case in point there, and now I'm guilty of watching a lot of short form content. So like case in point, there's no escaping it. Our whole generation is especially exposed to it. So now like other more traditional media avenues like like consumption stuff like sports you know even movies stuff like that but keeping it to like sports like they have to really be intentional about how engaging they are um to our generation or else they're just going to lose us yeah yeah, that's the main point there's also a lot of points other points that make our generation unique but i'd say that's the biggest one and what we also do like yeah just different kinds of content too like we we're very trendy like going over like on the same vein of like we constantly have to like get something new like we have like a new trend every week and like if you're not following that trend like you're going to lose our attention or if you if you make if you're a sports team and you make a video following a trend that we talked about last week and you're doing it the week after we're not going to care about it anymore you're already too late to it so it's, it's very intense marketing to us it's an extremely contrarian and difficult task so yeah
0: Okay, so I'm writing this down. Raised by the algorithm on yeah. TikTok and other shorts. Here, I'm I'm pretty much uh, I'm screwed. I'm pre- my, my classes are already boring enough, so keeping uh, <laughs> you know, keeping someone's attention for 50 minutes was a challenge a, a decade ago. I, yeah, that's interesting, and and it's it's funny because and I've never done TikTok, but uh, the YouTube shorts you can I mean you can get into it and you can burn you can burn some time pretty quick this, like... this
1: morning man this morning yeah, i got no. up at nine and i stayed in bed till 10 just 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 scrolling through like yeah. it's it's not well, good that's yeah that's
0: because you're only taking six credits though too or whatever you got oh yeah it, helps. So, it, it
1: allows me to to indulge yes <laughs> yeah
0: what um what's your sense on in a in a, my admittedly my perspective is pretty accounting specific but you know i'm hearing more of You know interest in remote work or work from home or or, you know going just going into the office once or twice what's your sense on the new workplace for gen z and and what they're more or less uh, i don't use the word demanding but are are negotiating for
1: that's a great point i think um maybe this is where i differ from like what my generation thinks um but as, as far as I've, you know, researched and kind of heard around, um, Gen Z typically is very much in favor of remote work, uh, because they've just kind of like, the thing is, we haven't really been employees in a world without it. So right. to us, it's not, it doesn't seem like this negative shift. It's just what it is, you know? So like, for us, it's just kind of the norm already, especially like my subsect of Gen Z that is just starting to do it, like as of the last couple of years, starting to do internships, internships. Uh, jobs you know just anything corporate like um that started during you know like the whole remote transition happened right before us so like we're 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 used to it we we don't know another another world so to us it's like normal so therefore i think you know i think gen z really thinks that remote work is just like the best option generally speaking um and that's where that's and because of that that's where inevitably our world is gonna head because we're gonna we're gonna take over you know at some point down the line and we're gonna be making the rules about that so that's where we're headed whether we like it or not me personally i have seen the value of working in person i actually did have a remote internship at microsoft last summer i loved my internship experience so much the only thing that i didn't love about it was that it was remote um because i just feel like i didn't really connect extremely well with a lot of people I could have connected very well right, to right and to tie it into gscg it's the same thing here uh we started a uh, like I said started our first projects in spring of 20 spring of 22 or 20 yeah 22 and um it was still like by then it wasn't very strict anymore but we were kind of like in the rhythm from the last year of like just doing things remotely so we started with our meetings remotely. And you know, evidently it was a great semester because you know it it set the groundwork well for like what was to come after. But um, when things started chilling out even more and people started meeting in person even more by like the semester after, then we started our PMs naturally decided to start meeting in person because I'd make it optional. I'd be like Zoom or in person, you guys choose. And uh, they that first semester they chose Zoom because it was just more acceptable at that time. But then as like everything got more relaxed, then people started going. Uh, in person. And I've realized that the teams that have met in person, because it was like half and half that fall of 22 semester, half the teams would be in person, half wouldn't. The teams that met in person were so much more bonded than the teams that met remotely. Yeah. And that stronger bond meant better work. So not only was it good, better for everyone's like, I guess, quote unquote health, you could say, um, but it was also better for GSEG and like our output and like our deliverables. So After that semester, I was like, you know what? We're going to make this mandatory. You always have to meet in person. Of course, we're in a special situation here where we're all on the same campus. So there's no like negatives to, and you know, we don't have like families to feed generally. So there's a lot of reasons why like meeting in person here uh, makes so much sense, but also why like can't be really too expected all the time, like after uh, this very particular situation. But I've just, my point is I've seen I have lived through the benefits of meeting and working in person uh, and compare them to remotely. And I've seen the benefits, how much better it is to do it in person, which is why I'm biased now, but it's not where we're headed though.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think that sentiment of, of that value, and I don't think you need to be, you know, an eight to five every Monday through Friday, but there is something valuable that, that's missing in remote, something valuable of the in-person experience. So yeah, um, intangibles, I suppose. Um, so how's, how's the group now? Where are you guys at? Where's, what's the, where, where are you headed?
1: Yeah, great question. That is, that is my job this semester. Um, so to give you a rundown of what we look like now, we have six projects, which means it's a PM and five members. So six members total per project. So we have 36 people there and then yeah it's crazy and then we have um a custom-made role of the next level up we have a custom-made role of a brand manager who's our freshman mr john burns who oversees our instagram and it's it's so good that like i'm still kind of overseeing the linkedin so i kind of just steal his stuff for our linkedin too um but he's like our he's our brand guy our social media guy and then we have you know the project managers and then our executive board is composed of uh Two or three vice presidents, and then myself as president. I say two or three because uh, we did a funny thing this year, where there were three people I really wanted to be VPs, and it worked out well because well Jane Daybert, who you know because she's she's in accounting, she was in Florence last semester, but now she's back here in person, and then our other VP Blake Rivera was in person last semester, and now he's in Florence. So they're just they're kind of just like the same person, and and it, it and it's. Better that way because they both get experience uh, running the show, uh, because they're both going to be running it next year after I'm gone from the student side. Which leads me to answering the second part of where we're headed. Um, we're in the process of, be- of becoming a center at the university, and I'm you know I'm sure you know what that is, but for anyone's listening who doesn't know, I didn't know for a while, even though that's what I was building towards. Basically, an academic center, in my definition is a sort of like institution or like entity or company, what have you, like organization within a higher ed institution, so within a university, um, that is extracurricular in nature and non-degree granting. So it's kind of like a miscellaneous like organization. So some examples of centers here at Gonzaga are the Hogan Center, uh, the Hogan Entrepreneurship Center. Within the Hogan Center, there's the uh, Entrepreneurial Leadership Minor that I and many other Zags are a part of. And also New Venture Lab is under that center. So neither of those things give you a degree. Neither of those things are a major. It's like a minor and then like an extracurricular. Another center is a career and professional development center. Like they, you know, they don't have to do anything to do with like, like pure academics. They are all about extracurriculars, uh, connecting to the real world, alumni, like doing resume help, interview help, um, setting up those like track events where you meet with alumni who are working at different companies so they're a center so that's where we're heading we're we are we've been working with university advancement the office of the provost dean anderson uh school of ed too on uh creating the sports consulting center um and right now sure. we're basically just getting all the approvals we need and uh but our long-term goal is you know gscg the way it is now is going to stay the way it is gonzaga sport Consulting Group. And we're going to have that fall under this new parent organization, which is the Sports Consulting Center. GSCG, although it's great, it is very exclusive, which I I think makes it really great. But also, we do want stuff that's also inclusive. So this parent center would have GSCG, as we know it under as like the core and the exclusive part of it. But we'd also have other inclusive activities like guest speakers, treks, career fairs, um, just all sorts of stuff you can think of and some of this stuff won't happen for like years and years you know but that's all kind of in the long-term plan so we just want to basically build a hub um, that just kind of combines passion sports with like just professional development business and consulting and we do all sorts of stuff um, kind of with that mission uh, because we've seen it work here because the funny thing is when I started GSEG it was as simple as like, my goal was to help students learn stuff through sports. That simple, just do something cool that's also very worthwhile and professional. Uh, That was my first goal. But then as the the semesters and years went by and I started seeing how much people grew and how much we've contributed to a culture of innovation, of student-driven innovation here on campus, now my goal with GSG kind of shifted to be even broader than that to like, we want to cultivate A culture of student driven innovation here at Gonzaga, because that's what we've been seeing. I mean, now there's kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a new time. I feel like here at Gonzaga where like students are doing so much cool stuff. Like there's a there's a sophomore named Azer is doing the ZAG business and tech club. Jaden Sansgaard created the investment banking accelerator, so now we have Zags going towards investment banking. One of our uh, members, Matt Leong, is starting a baseball analytics branch for Gonzaga's baseball team, so they have students helping with with baseball analytics every semester. Like, and then we have so many more ideas that I probably don't even know about right now that are like that are like basically in their kind of first stage, and uh, it's just so cool to see. And we want to make sure that we're still, you know, that we're playing a part in that. And we're like redefining what it means to be a student at Gonzaga. We're, we want to show students like, hey, like you all can do this. Like we're in the process of becoming a center. And this thing has been completely started by me and other students. Like if I can do this, then especially taking, you know, into account how impressive I said the underclassmen were, like if I can do this, then you all could absolutely do something even cooler than this. So like that's that's my thought process with it. I'm I'm really excited about that um and uh one last thing i'll say is on this whole center stuff i've been working i'm basically i you know i'm the founder of GSEG but of the center i, I basically see myself as a co-founder because i've been working we've been working so hard uh with dr weber and dr korea who are two just amazing people they there's are such great uh pro- i've actually never had either of them as a uh, professors but because i don't study mis or accounting but uh, they're just amazing people that have been vital to kind of reaching this new stage, to evolving to this next level. And if it wasn't for them, we just this wouldn't be happening at all. So I just want to give them a shout out, really. But
0: yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. I see you got you got swag. You even got yeah, yeah, I got
1: swag. Yeah, biggest sports consulting
0: group just, swag available online at no, <laughs> um, that, that's that's yes, awesome. Sir. Now. You're not you were you're not a big sports guy, but it, did you play high school soccer? Did you play?
1: So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a I was always a soccer fan. We grew up with the Sounders. We grew up in a very soccer center culture because, I I mean that's that's how us lot of Americans are, and we just uh, for the most part, and then and we just love it. Uh, I just wasn't very good at soccer. At least I don't think I have a tendency to be hard on myself, but so I may be biased there. But I just didn't really see myself as a soccer player. Sure. So. Um, they it, it all the more ironic that this was kind of like the thing I did for college, uh, just doing this like sports thing, Yeah. Uh, because like my older brother, my younger sister, they were, um, huge athletes. Like my brother's insanely good at soccer. My sister was insanely good at gymnastics. She still is. She just doesn't really like do gymnastics anymore. Um, but, and I was kind of just the odd one out there. At least that's how I felt like. Um, so the way I actually spent my childhood, my entire elementary school, Extracurricular wise is actually doing art classes. Oh, I did painting, cool. drawing, sketching. I was always like a creative mind. Like I, I always like spaced out during class. I was thinking about like random. Like I was just I, I had this like imagination. I was always just thinking about Marvel, Star Wars, Lord oh, of the Rings. Yeah. And then kind of coming up with my own kind of stories based off that. Writing my own comic books, drawing my own characters, just making stuff up, stuff like that. So that's the creative side of me that I that I feel like turned into entrepreneurship as I got older and got into college, but that's how I grew up. So not really in soccer. So it's really kind of a, a weird full circle kind of going into sports now, but my brother, who's amazing at soccer is a huge Man City fan. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. Um, so much
1: so that when him and his now fiance went to England, uh, to Europe, um, she would, she would call it their trip to London and he would call it their trip to Manchester because they spent yeah. half day in Manchester or something. Totally. So, so now yeah, it's
0: yeah. Uh, I, I was fortunate. I got to see Chelsea Everton at, stanford bridge and it was by hands down the coolest oh my gosh coolest, coolest how long ago I've was that to. yeah um, last march Now just coming up oh my Monday gosh Monday that's now. awesome so yeah, yeah yeah christian pulisic started and that's kind of why i went uh he had a goal but it was called, called back for offside but it was it, uh, it was i mean I, I i bet you i got to stanford bridge or outside of it around noon kickoff was at 5 30 and i probably didn't get back to my hotel till midnight i mean it was a full 12 hour a day but the people were great the experience was awesome it was second to none so. that's
1: sick and he's not is he still at chelsea
0: i No, he's at uh milan now Milan. milan yeah now. i was gonna say
1: yeah. he, like that happened probably like shortly after you went to see him right
0: or... yeah yeah that summer transfer and then i you know i'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm slated to uh teach in uh florence next spring so
1: yes hurry tell now. me
0: yeah and uh, I might try to sneak up to Milan for a game. I'll definitely make some Fiorentina games. So. Dude, yeah. I mean, it's like an uh, like hour and a half
1: train ride, I believe, right? So Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They're going to get up to San Siro where, they, where Milan plays. But uh, now you mentioned Peru. Super awesome. Um, you, you got family there? You ever go back? And how's your Spanish?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> whole family is there. We're the only yeah. extended family that uh, I'm 99.9% sure we're the only. Well, technically, I, I – I have some cousins that are probably going to sooner rather than later going to like move to like Europe or the U.S. to like study college. But they're still technically like, you know, their family is, is still in Peru. So we're like the only ones who are truly not still in Peru. And uh, we we would go back every year um, during my childhood. So elementary school, middle school. Once I got into high school and I actually started having, you know, commitments that had, you know, like implications to them like and like consequences right. like yeah, yeah just yeah. like miss like a whole month of, month of school anymore um started going still every year but just like not as long for but like when I was little like we would go for like a month to Peru like my friends back home actually thought I like dropped out of school or something like they actually thought like we yeah. moved away or something and then I'd come back and they've you know they've gone through the five stages and they're like oh my gosh like he's here you know so like it's he's back this it is pretty funny but um, but yeah, we would go every year. Now for college, not really anymore. I went a few summers ago. I maybe uh, would be able to go. Actually, this summer is I don't start working full time till late July, so I have some months there to do that, even if it's just for a week. But um, but we would go there more th- more than enough for sure. And I'm super grateful that we got to grow up with them because I, I feel extremely close to my aunts, uncles, and cousins, despite that they're like so far away and I like rarely see them. I, I just feel so close to them, which is which is awesome. And yeah, last question, Spanish. Uh yeah, my Spanish is uh it's it's good. It's I'm fluent in Spanish. Uh actually, English is my second language. So Perfect, um, man.
0: Perfect. And I imagine you have dual citizenship.
1: I'd, yeah, I yeah, actually try yeah. citizenship. We're also Italian. So oh, I'm yeah. also an Italian citizen. So I I went to Florence a year ago exactly. I was there. Or wait, sorry. Over a year ago, um last fall, not this last fall semester, but fall semester before. And uh, you know Italian and Spanish—they're both Latin-based, so similar enough. Where I caught on to Italian pretty quickly, and towards the end, I kind of spoke it like semi-well. Um, but unfortunately, lost all of it because I just haven't really come across any Italian-speaking circumstances like organically back here in Spokane and Seattle. So I yeah, so right. lost it. Oh, but awesome. it's deep deep down somewhere. It'll, it'll come back. But um, yeah. well, oh, that's awesome. Well, you got to meet uh, my graduate
0: assistant this semester. Santiago he's from uh Quito uh, oh great, just a great great dude um,
1: wait I do know him actually he studies engineering right uh, uh he's doing our master's in business analytics what he's doing so. did he did he do his undergrad here too no no oh my no. gosh I literally know an undergrad who's a senior whose name is Santiago well oh he's Colombian not Ecuadorian that so yeah Uh,
0: well that's cool man yeah. um yeah you know it, you've obviously traveled some and and you know I think just Having even even the language skill set can change your worldview and your perspective on things. You know, it's, absolutely. It's reflective. It's a different way of thinking when you when you kind of. And I, you know, I'm speaking way out of <laughs> way way beyond my capabilities because I can, <laughs> I barely grasp English. But, um, uh, you know, I, I I think it's cool that you're, you know, you're staying in touch with, you know, your Peruvian family and, and doing stuff like Florence. That's that's fantastic, man. So, sure. um good man well well I, I we're just about out of time here but question for you and it's my, it's my closing question what's your what kind of advice do you give to to the the i mean i guess for you maybe some of the underclassmen as they embark on their years in spokane at gonzaga
1: yeah no great question i'd say just whatever kind of endeavor, professional or not, that you're seeking, just go for it. And I was kind of reluctant to say something like that because it just sounds so cliche, Um, but something I always tell GSCG and like other students is that like the the title of a student, of being a student is probably, and I say probably because I've never not been a student. So there's like a disclaimer of a lack of experience there, but the title of a student is probably the strongest title you will ever have because when you're a student, People want to mentor you when you're a student people will give you internship programs or or job opportunities that are exclusive to students like when you're a student you have a network of other students you have faculty and when you're a student you're you're actually like in a college and eventually you'll have a degree so there are these amazing benefits to being a student that the only downside of them is that they're temporary Uh, for most of us they're four years so you got to take advantage of those four years. Of course, you know, college is also for, you know, making amazing memories with your friends, all the social stuff, too. Like you could say the same about that. It's also once in life to opportunity, but keeping it in the context of the more kind of professional side of it. It's also, you know, once in life to opportunity for that. It is. I like to think of college as a sort of like career playground. I mean, like when you're in college, there are so many Things you can just kind of, so many experiences that you can just kind of find all over the place. It's like, it's like a video game or something. Like there's just so many side quests and things that you can do and then add on your resume. Like there's stuff like GSCG, new venture lab, there's other clubs, there's, you know, part-time remote internship opportunities now in the world that we live in that you can take while doing classes, the classes in of, in of themselves, uh, the, the people you can reach out to, especially if you have such a great network and such a helpful and loyal network like the Zag alumni network. Like there are just so many little things you can do that you will to that extent never be able to do again. So I'd say just, just take advantage of it. I mean, uh, the experience of starting GSG in of itself is unique to this kind of context that I'm in right now. Like I, I couldn't have started GSG after being a student. Again, you don't have to start a, you know, five figure, you know, like invested, like center becoming like, you know, NBA working with like a thing like GSEG to like, you know, feel like you've succeeded in college at all. But I'm just saying like, even that extreme example, like I could only do here. So even if you do like 10% of that, like that's, that's so, so good. And that's it's going to have a huge return on investment for your career. And uh, so just be sure that, you know, you know, we're blessed to be in college in the first place, especially a place like Gonzaga. So be sure that you don't just go through the motions. Don't just, you know, go to your classes, sleep at your dorm, go to the COG. Don't, those are all amazing things, especially the, the, the COG. But don't just do those things. Make sure you're also like going above and beyond to like look for opportunities that are tailored to you because they exist. And if they don't exist, nothing is stopping you from creating them. That's my advice. Oh, that's
0: awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I appreciate it. And if you ever want to punch me into the cog i'll always accept i've been it in like it, it years, would be my honor oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just bought my last
1: 50 swipes it was kind of a an emotional moment so oh man, happy oh, man. for you all appreciate right it. well yeah.
0: awesome mateo Valdez, john sports consulting group appreciate you appreciate the time man
1: Cheers. yeah thank you dr brassich you're the man yeah. appreciate you too. Thank you for listening to the G Suite podcast. This episode was produced and hosted by Andrew Brasich and edited by Jack Talbot. To find more G Suite and many other podcasts on the Gonzaga Podcast Network, remember to check out gonzaga.edu podcasts. Thanks again.